this week on Trek, Mary Kill, Pike, Bombs, Montage, next. Trek, Mary Kill. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Kristen. And you are listening to the first official formal episode of Trek, Mary Kill. And this week we are doing Strange New Worlds, episode one of season one, called Strange New Worlds. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> it is... Uh, it is the first episode of a series that is both a prequel to Star Trek, the original series, and a sequel to Star Trek Discovery. Is that confusing? Oh, baby, we are just getting started. <laughs> it aired on May 5th, 2022 in the United States, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. It was written by Akiva Goldsman, story by Akiva Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman, and Jenny Lumet, and it was directed by Akiva Goldsman. And we should mention... That Star uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds just won the Saturn Award for the best science fiction television series in streaming. I think you just made that up, but congratulations to them. <laughs> uh, they they beat out Star Trek Discovery <laughs> they beat out, and the Expanse. Zero other nominees. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a real <laughs> award. They beat out Discovery, The Expanse, okay. for all mankind. Lost in Space, The Mandalorian, and The Orville, New Horizons. Oh, they beat out For All Mankind. A lot of people like that show. It's a great show, but I, I just this sets up what a popular show, Strange New Worlds, seems to be now. So it's a good thing we're covering it. What, do we know what the voting body of the Saturn Awards is? I'm not sure. We're, we'll have to uh, <laughs> we'll have to get into that, and we'll have the attorneys uh, take a look at it. Are you? Are you saying that the something sus went down here? No, I didn't know if it's if it's like a viewer's choice award, like if popularity actually plays into it at all. Oh, well, I'm not entirely sure about that. And this is the fifth 50th year of the Saturn Awards, so oh. I, I guess I should know that, but I don't actually know that. Um it's yeah. <laughs> well, my apologies to the Saturn Awards for not knowing you existed. Strange New Worlds joins Next Generation and Discovery for winning uh, a Saturn Award. And it's the second it's the second major accolade for the freshman season of Strange New Worlds after being honored with the Legacy Award by the Hollywood Critics Association over the summer. This must be a great episode. So let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> and without recapping the whole thing, uh, we meet Captain Christopher Pike, played by Anson Mount. He has been on leave while the Enterprise is being refit or repaired and living with the knowledge of an accident in his future that will leave him horribly disfigured unable to communicate he's called back to duty to rescue his first officer number one played by rebecca romaine stamos aka mystique prime who has gone missing after studying a pre-warp civilization but surprise in the course of rescuing his number one pike and co and company discover the natives have built a weapon of mass destruction a warp bomb which they figured out from watching the enterprise and a great space battle that dedicated fans saw in the season two finale of star trek discovery now, Pike must figure out a way to rescue his first officer while preventing this planet from ripping itself apart. Whew. Also, you think she still goes by Rebecca Rebecca Romaine Stamos? Oh, I don't it, think she's been married to that guy in It ages. is just Rebecca Romaine. It's just locked in my head. It's I've got oh, okay. the pre-onset boomerism happening right now. John Stamos <laughs> had nothing to do with this show. <laughs> no. 
so I watched it when it came out and uh, actually have rewatched a couple of times. And uh, I did watch Star Trek Discovery season two when Captain Pike was in command of the ship and all the basically the storyline that got him to find out that he was uh, going to suffer this terrible accident, which we see in the original series in the menagerie about what happens to Captain Mm -hmm. Pike, his ultimate fate. I actually think for the purposes of this show, if you didn't, if you didn't know anything about Star Trek, uh, the original series, I think, I think even if you didn't have Star Trek discovery in there and just in the first season, he discovered this fate and he still did whatever I, I like that as his, as the captain having this sort of, uh, sort of Democles hanging over his head, this fate, he knows his fate. Yeah, I think it works much better that you don't have to completely rely on the other ones because I think that's like really going back very far to expect a new audience to be like, oh, let me go back and watch this, all these other episodes before I can even watch this. Yeah, and I would say that the twist at the end sort of, or the, I should say the reveal that these aliens, the the Kylo Riley, Riley the Kylie 27... <laughs> the Kylo Ren? Yeah, the Kylie 279ers that they basically saw, they witnessed like a sporting event, this gigantic space battle in front of a, a wormhole uh, in, in season two of discovery and then reverse mm-hmm. engineered all this tech. I like the idea that uh, alien cultures watch, basically watch star Trek from afar with their telescopes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like, there just being like, a consequence uh... of it. I, the cause and effect I, I think really works. Yeah. Uh, I thought they they finally figured out how the uniforms should look. This has been an ongoing issue with the newer shows with Discovery and the 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 colorful uniforms that they're wearing on the this Enterprise. That that's not the first iteration. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember what they look like in Discovery, but they look pretty wacky. Uh, the collars and the and the way that they have them. Yeah. So they I feel like they they smoothed them out. The Enterprise looks pretty good. Um, one thing I that this show really drives home is that widescreen TVs have made the bridge design very difficult. The original series had the cool thing where you could get Kirk and Spock in the same frame. Mm-hmm. And now you can't do that. Like it's almost impossible for him to like, they, they have to be so far away from each other. Almost like Pike is having to turn to like, turn his head fully to the right to look at some of these key people. And I just think visually yeah. dramatically, it kind of uh, takes the air out of it. But I, you know, I think there's a lot of TLC in this show, and it really showed. Um, and as a pilot, even though it was tied into Discovery, I think it does a nice job of setting up what this show is going to be. Yeah, I like I enjoyed it for the most part, and I didn't really know what I, what it was going to be when I went into it. Besides, like you telling me a little bit about it first. Well, we need to figure out if we're going to trek this one, if we're going to marry it, or if we're going to kill it. That's the main thing yeah. we need to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last bit of business that we're going to do here. I'm going to pull, pull one little factoid out of here for the, uh, for this little news and notes preamble that we go on. There is, it's tied into the whole Genesis of the show. If you go on Paramount plus, they have a special features section and in the special, Oh, like the ready room. Well, not that one. Is that what that it was, is? What is it's that? A pre, the ready room is like the after show, like the talking dead. Oh, and yeah, I don't think I want to watch I, that. I, I'm not encouraging you to watch that. Uh, but there is a okay. there is a journey to screen bringing a new series to life special feature. 
And that included mm. Akiva Goldsman and Henry Alonzo Meyer, who is uh, the co-showrunner with Akiva Goldsman. And he's done like The Magicians and CSI and Chuck. And and so basically, you know, Akiva Goldsman is uh, an award-winning screenwriter, but he wants this to be his baby and his show. But you know, you mm-hmm. actually need a guy who's also done it too, and that's Henry Alonzo Myers. But my and he his quote is the, what I'm pulling out as our little little memory alpha news and note section here. He said, if you consider the cage, the original pilot of Star Trek to be the pilot, which is basically what we're doing. It's a story of Captain Pike, number one, and Spock mm-hmm. in the original Enterprise. This is the longest pilot to series pickup in the history of television, something like 55 years. So if you're not familiar with the history, the cage was the original pilot. It started uh, Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Pike, and they shot this whole episode, which you can see in the original series yeah. as the menagerie. They have it up there. Oh, now. and they have yeah. it. Yes. And they have it on P plus. Um, yep. Yeah. And um, it's, it's kind of slow. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little boring <laughs> in parts, but it, yeah, I think it was described as too cerebral. And so they're like, we're not going to yes. do this. And um, then they, the network did something unusual. They were like, we kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. Could you, we like the idea yeah, of this. Could you do a, a better one, like a more action-y <laughs> one? And in the process of doing that, they lost Jeffrey Hunter. He, he uh, I think the story is, he wanted to be a movie star and he had been in, I think, The Searchers. And, you know, so he... He was like, I don't mm-hmm. want to do weekly TV. So then they found this guy, William Shatner, who I don't think was living out of his car at this point. But, you know, as a working actor, William Shatner. Who was probably like a job, a weekly yes. paycheck. Yes, Hello. Like that. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so they recast and they changed the character. And then we got where no man has gone before as the mm-hmm. basically the second pilot. And so what they're saying, Henry Alonzo Myers is saying, is uh, if you consider the cage, the original pilot, that we're doing a pickup now of star trek from the cage so that makes me ask you want to ask you Kristen. given that statement is strange new worlds a prequel to star trek the original series or it is a reboot of star trek as we've known it uh, yeah so actually i was kind of struggling with this one uh i mean not that i like i was thinking kind of the same thing of like is this just like a different almost like a different timeline for star trek so maybe it is a reboot versus a prequel, but I think there's prequel elements here, especially with like the introduction of a member of the Kirk family at the end. Right. And I think it's more my ultimate feeling after watching the whole first season, and we're going to cover the whole first season at some point is that they're, they just want to have it both ways. They want to reboot. Oh, okay. There are parts that <laughs> there are parts they want to reboot and there are parts or redo or do their own thing with. And then there are parts they want to tie to canon because they're approaching it from the notion that this is a property and we just want to do it. <laughs> we just want to do it the way we yeah. want to do it, which to some degree I think I can respect and it makes a lot of sense. And for me, it really opened my mind when I, um, when I simply let that go, <laughs> you know? And I- <laughs> yeah. And also like they can't do another show with, with Captain Kirk. No, they can't. Like, they just can't do it. No. Mainly because Paramount doesn't seem like they're ever going to make another movie with him. But yes, that's one of the main blockups. But Captain Kirk will figure prominently in season two of Star Trek Changing Worlds, allegedly. Allegedly. But uh, he is not the focus of our 
episode right now. We're going to get into yeah, Trek, no. Mary Kill for Strange New Worlds and Captain Pike. So let's let's get to the grades. Let's start grading this one. Let's see what we got. Let's go with great okay. scenes. So I really liked <laughs> that Uhura is like the only person who kind of seemed to have read the memos. And um, when the alien that they have abducted, by the way, um, gets free and is running around the ship, she starts talking to him about sports on his planet <laughs> and it calms him down. And like, I heard this was the best, you know, whatever it was, match game or something ever. So I was there for that. And they, of course, you know, like knock him out again. And again, it's just like she did the homework. <laughs> and so many of the people appear not to have done the homework. No, um, it, it seemed a lot like Nurse Chapel really wanted to get her steps in, get some jog running in. She really screwed the pooch on this one, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought it was odd that they they're, uh, they were both knocked out for the exact amount of time. Both of them that affected yeah. them exactly the same way. <laughs> um, I, my first scene that I picked out as being great. Uh, that was a good moment for, uh, for the young Uhura cadet Uhura, mm -hmm. which again, we're not recapping the episode, but yes, Uhura's in the show. Spock's in the show. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And that that's, uh, and, and that's, those are the two. And that's ones. kind of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they have number one. So far. Yeah, exactly. Uh, April orders Pike to find Una. I think I liked that scene more. That's where he's riding through the snow and the shuttle comes down. And, and yeah, and I mean, that's just like so unnecessarily expensive. <laughs> I feel like, like they had extra budget or something. They're like, let's do this. Yeah. I mean, there ain't, let's have a guy. Let's do a, I mean, I assume it was like a location shoot because it seems like it'd be really difficult to shoot that if you're doing like a virtual production well, or something this this and uh discovery shoot in canada picard is the only one that's okay in la so they okay. they were like we're in canada we might as well use um our great yeah. location here get him a horse yes. which is can and let him ride it which is canon falls <laughs> to the walls through what's well, supposed to be montana but canada <laughs> that's right and fairly deep snow so you know for no reason yep. just not not going from point a to point b just out for a ride he really and then a, a spaceship shows he's up. really going well i know i'm not going to die of hypothermia and i know my yeah. horse isn't going to kick me off so <laughs> i'm just going to do it yeah. i thought it was funny that the shuttle landed right like literally right in front of the horse because yeah spooking mm -hmm. the horse or accidentally landing on them all seemed like possibilities in that situation it all seemed a little bit too dangerous for what was trying to be yes yeah i mean it was very beautiful though yes it was it was visually great it it worked pretty well i thought um what what's your next scene um i, I that was the only one i wrote no. down but i liked <laughs> i mean i think the whole thing with spock being proposed to is like just textbook kind of spock like he's a weirdo and doesn't like connect with people very well and it's just like two vulcans being logical weirdos together to pring is his they were betrothed essentially even though they don't specifically say that it's more than a betrothal and less than a marriage i think is how it's described in the original series and so this is what they do throughout the rest of the series anytime they bring in canony stuff it's mm -hmm. kind of like dancing between the raindrops i think is how they describe it it's sort of like so this is what it is in between that and she proposed to him because they were already committed to each other um, but yeah, them being awkward together or being Vulcans together, 
that scene that scene just stuck out because of the the weird patter or banter that they were trying to force yeah. with the query it's response like, so cringeworthy like it's, it's painful almost to just watch these two oh but it's like supposed to be i guess so but i also think that there is an attempt to give it a it was an attempt to give it some sort of flavor yeah do you think i'm giving them too much credit to make it seem like we were supposed to feel that uncomfortable <laughs> i would say oh, i, I would say because it goes right into two hot people having sex that that was not the intention oh, but i like the no that was painful but too. that scene plays completely different if it is completely painful and awkward but I think they really settled on Spock as supposed to be a, a hunky sex icon in the show oh. that we're supposed to be attracted to him. Or... And he stops having sex to answer his phone. <laughs> oh, my God. It's his Spock. Starfleet phone. <laughs> what are you doing, baby? No, absolutely not. No. And like his partner is, is not pissed because, you know, it's a it, she's a Vulcan, but mm, perturbed not pleased she is able to control it <laughs> yeah like she's not screaming because she's a vulcan but still not happy about it though i really thought it was a great scene between when spock confronts pike about about having seen his future that spock goes to him oh yeah and he recognizes that he thinks he's seen the future like he knows what happened on this borat this klingon monastery planet Great acting from Anson yeah. Mount. I'm going to probably talk a lot about Anson Mount in this. Oh, I'm fine with yeah. it. <laughs> because I, I think this entire episode, well, definitely this entire episode, but really the entire show hangs on him. Like he is the show. And I think he does it. I think his shoulders are broad enough and strong enough. He, he pulls it <laughs> off very easily. So he has a he has like a great uh, scene or a great line where he goes or Spock, of course, asks him, um, when is it supposed to happen? And and Pike's like, only you would. Ask, of course, you would ask that question. Yeah. And he's like, is it soon? Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes almost a decade from now. And then he has this he has this reaction. He goes, is but that no, soon? It's not yeah. soon. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, do you think Spock is asking that because he genuinely cares or because he thinks. Am I going to get caught up in this shit? <laughs> Does it happen like this week on the ship? Are we I'll be there? I'll be more fair to Spock and I'll say if it is imminent, it could it could drastically uh, impact his command abilities. And so I have mm-hmm. to be on the lookout mm-hmm. for that. Yes, it could be some version of yeah, uh, is the like... whole ship about to get pulled into something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was just betrothed to this woman you see, and uh, yeah, I'd like to know this yeah. information. Yeah, and and that also this is the scene, and I'm stealing from the 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 lines later, but he has the this is where he gets the idea or presents the idea. Most humans, we like to think that right up until the very last instant, somehow, some way, we'll cheat death, and I I mm-hmm. like that. I, I think we just learn a lot about Pike in this scene, and it's 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 good acting from both of them. I could picture Leonard Nimoy doing being across from him and doing the scene and you know, working yeah. out well. And then I had one more great scene, uh, which is not, uh, not condemning the other scenes, everybody. This is just the great scenes that stood out. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that this is, I think I remember reading when this episode came out that this was not a lot of people's favorite scenes, but I, I'm going to make an argument for it. So Pike lecturing the Kylie two seven niners with, and then having the, the, the montage 
of the of the World War Three and and all that. Uh, I think that scene works because it is it has a callback a little bit to the Omega Glory, where Kirk is reading the Constitution that the Yangs and the Combs have <laughs> have sort of bastardized for their own purposes. And here we have two warring factions, you know, about to blow each other up. And he gives a PowerPoint presentation or he gives like a video present or a Ted talk. He gives a Ted talk. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I think it worked because again, Anson Mount and it seemed very Star Trekky, and it was for better or worse. It was the show going out on the limb, attempting to predict our future or use our predicted future to influence or inform the future story they were telling, which the original series did all the time. And they would attempt to pitch a future you know what I mean? And then work off of mm-hmm. that. And I think the later shows stopped doing that. So I liked that they tried to do that here. I think people had issues with them using like real life footage and all that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't love it um, because I actually find like Star Trek to be a little bit more hopeful. Usually not. Oh, by the way, we blew ourselves up completely. And um, it was because of these creeps. Well, them negging them the whole time, because that is part of a speech is like, you could blow each other up. And I definitely think that is um, a perspective shift from this era of Star Trek and previous eras where they're they're accepting their premise, basically, mm-hmm. and, and not arguing against it. I, I mean, Kirk has kind of a similar speech in a Taste of Armageddon where he, you know, they want to kill each other. or They have organized war and they basically you. They use computers to determine how many people should just walk into vaporize vaporizing chambers to to make the death mm-hmm. tolls um, flatten out. And he just says, you know, you should just decide we're not going to kill today. It just starts with like one day making a choice. So there is that element of like they are different. But I, I also just like the idea of if a starship captain gets into a situation where they see that, you know, Starfleet or his crew or whatever are the cause of the problem directly inserting themselves into the resolution. Uh, I liked it. I don't know. It worked for me. And, uh, and it was a, it was a big swing that I thought um, I hadn't seen in a while. So I enjoyed it. That's it. (laughs) All right. Best Trek tropes. Um, So I wrote this down and I don't think it actually ever came back, but like they send the enterprise out early and they're like, well, we're skipping the redundancies on the maintenance. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to definitely come back into the story and it didn't no everything worked great <laughs> and, yeah and so uh, i mean i put that under best maybe i should have put it under worse now because i wrote it down under best because like, oh yes this is definitely gonna gonna come back um it didn't um so i have <laughs> red alert happens pretty early on um there it's like they're then, itching to go to red alert <laughs> yeah and like i have this question every time i i hear red alert how can anyone concentrate with that noise <laughs> And then, of course, you stop hearing it, but, like, every so often you get it again. Like, that is, like, a fire alarm. It is so annoying. Ugh. And, yeah. Not my favorite red alert. Like, that would just make me yeah. make bad decisions if that was in my ear, just to get out of out of hearing it and also seeing the flashing red lights. I would just I would do anything to get out of that. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I think that's the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make bad decisions. Um, but I also put first contact. That is always like one of my favorite Star Trek tropes of like, we've made first contact with a civilization. Is it going to go well? Is it not going to go well? Right. And I'm trying to remember a situation where it has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then like in the beginning though, the Rebecca Romain character is like I think this is gonna go great. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, girl, no, no. Oh, uh, that's one of my like, favorite jokes. You missed that 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 day at Starfleet Academy. Yeah. Where they're like, ooh, sometimes it doesn't go so great. You should be less optimistic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, drafting off of that. I had disguising as the locals as one of my favorite Trek jokes. Oh, that's yeah, that is a good one. And I I liked what they did in this this situation. I mean, this is where Star Trek is fully science fantasy, where they basically. They don't even give them plastic surgery, which they would do in the original series. They change their genetic structure. So, yeah. Which seems very dangerous, but they... Especially with Spock, as it turns yes. out. And I'm like, and then it's like, why would you bring him along then? If, if, if that was the high, yes, high potential. That, yeah, like, because his DNA doesn't accept it or something like that. It changes too quickly or something, and it all goes to I shit. kind of still liked that as a plot point anyway. I mean, he does have a reason to be yes. there, but I did not like the the clothes being stored in the transporter. Though that was, <laughs> <laughs> I I thought I don't understand. That's next generation era technology. Why would the clothes be in the pattern buffer? These are <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They're taking and pulling from where they like. But uh, yeah. I love the Vulcan nerve pinch. Great. Oh yeah, you got to. Yeah, that's a great trope. For the first episode of like, if you have new viewers, viewers who haven't, yeah, you gotta, like I think anyone knows what the Vulcan death pinch thing is. Though, I'm not the death grip. Uh, well, I, I'm a little surprised what that the actual name of it. Because I thought death grip was what people would. Well, call it. they there is an episode where Spock says that, but it's the Vulcan nerve pinch is what it is, is what it's technically called. But I thought it was a little weird that Laon knew that he could do that, and then cued him to do it because oh they're two dumb guys mm -hmm. so they need to they need her to tell them to spring into action um <laughs> but you know i guess you could say oh she's the security chief so she's read everyone's file and learns what they do okay that's fine but i will say this about the nerve pinch that it, it makes me want to start an instagram account that's just for the faces of the, of the actors getting the nerve pinch <laughs> Because it's always great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, there are two Instagram accounts I've, I don't, I'm not on Instagram, but there are two I've always wanted to start. And it's that one. And the other one is actors looking down at their marks before they, they go oh, into them. Yeah. Uh, which is, this is not me ragging on actors. You know, it's just sometimes it's very obvious. <laughs> and sometimes actors use it to great effect. Like they use it as sort of to build mm -hmm. up an emotional head of steam. And it's great. But uh, yeah, I think Spencer Tracy is pretty um, renowned for doing that. Um, just kind of staring at the floor at his mark. Jared Harris, the uh, great British actor, Jared Harris. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a guest star in several episodes of The Expanse. And he does it, but he's like, he's about to manipulate this guy. So he kind of lowers his head and his gaze and to look at his mark. And then when he looks up at the guy, it's like piercing into his soul. <laughs> like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, then the final best trick trope I like is tied to what I said about the great scenes. Um, Pike choosing to get involved instead of just leaving. He says, if we leave now, every death that follows is on our hands. And I, I like that. I mm -hmm. think that's when I think of Star Trek, when I think of Star Trek captains, that's exactly what I imagine yeah. they should say or think. And if it were me, I would have just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? Well, Your crew's alive and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I also don't have the 
foresight to know, oh, I'm not going to die. In this. <laughs> That's true too. So, yeah. so he does. So he's like from a, you know, a position of privilege being like, well, I know this isn't, this isn't it for me and <laughs> it'll be fine. Everything's going great. That leads us into worst Trek tropes. I got, I got to say it right now. I can't hold it in my, in at all. <laughs> Watching an old movie that it's even old for our time. He's watching the day the earth stood still Pike is at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Ugh. I am so sick of that. Oh, what other Voyager Voyager made a whole habit of watching old movies or it's always cause it's always older people making these shows. And so they want to put in mm-hmm. classics that they like. And I don't know. One of these days I'd like to see somebody just watching <laughs> something that either they shot for that or something that's like brand new for us. <laughs> More like newer yeah. than like what a 1950s sci-fi movie right. like they didn't do anything else after that yeah i'm sorry i had to get that off my chest it, it drives me nuts no i i know i was i was like why would they be watching this when when i saw it because i'm like you are a re- you have a real spaceship right <laughs> well how could this possibly well the you? main the only real reason it's in there because it doesn't really inform pike's character really is that it's just there to set up when he says, well, that, and also to set up when he says, take me to your leader at the end of that act out when, when, and it's, it's kind of paralleling what's going on because that's why that's what day the earth is still is too. It's like the, you're trying to end your planet and I'm trying to stop it. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, I think most people have heard that line without needing to have seen it on screen uh, 20 minutes prior. All right. Any other (laughs) bad tropes for you? Going back to Spock getting proposed to, he says, you're wearing ritual mating colors. Um, Again, like we're being a little bit hit over the head. I mean, with this is Spock and this is how he is and like having to introduce him to a new audience, supposedly. Um, But it's not that bad. Like, it's just something I wrote down that I thought was a little bit corny. Right, because we're not calling out when we're having conversations. Oh, you're you're well, that's not true. (laughs) <laughs> oh you're wearing wearing the mating right. colors you're, exactly or the perfume but i also put the mating colors I also put the mating colors i also put down that the captain thinks he can solve a centuries-long conflict by just showing them a spaceship <laughs> um yeah it's a little usually a little more complicated than that like yes that would maybe you know, bring a lot of people to the negotiating table of like, but it would be to be like, okay, well now we have to blow up this guy, not each other. Right. Well, I, that would have been an interesting angle because it would have united the planet. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like if a spaceship came here, an advanced civilization, all of earth would be like, well, we must kill it. (laughs) They would be joined together in that. I don't know why I'm so pessimistic in that, but like a, planet that's already in the middle of like sectarian violence seems like that's where they would go like we have this big weapon let's use it on this guy also they would probably um at first think that the ship is on that country the other country's side because that's where it is yeah so they would they would think oh they've got an ally but yeah we saw them attack the ship with uh with plasma torpedoes or missiles and early in the episode, and then we don't see that come back again at all. So it's a little bizarre because why would the appearance of the ship over the city 
do anything to destabilize it. Maybe there's just yeah. an extra... Because we've already established they have essentially like a big time nuclear weapon, like as a way to explain it to like as a parallel to what we have here on Earth. And these old torpedoes, what they were like, if had we not had our shields up, we would have been in big trouble. Like the one ship is not going to, I don't know, stop these people, I think. Like, yes, it could blow up a lot, but they could probably still shoot stuff at it. My guess is the thing, the intention was if we show the ship to everybody, because, you know, prior to that, everything is sort of happening on telescopes and everything. Mm -hmm. Now it's real to everybody. But he's yeah. not making the pitch to, oh, then he does. He, he gives the TED talk to the whole to the whole planet. <laughs> so there is that. I don't know. I think maybe maybe we need a little bit of an explanation of these leaders are sort of ruling without, you know, on high, essentially. And if you get everybody involved, maybe that's their their grip loosens a little bit. I don't know. That's a good one. I like that one. Um, Pike has a retro bedside clock. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't catch that. It's because we're staring at that woman's back. Yeah, we're staring at uh, Captain Patel's back. I was staring at her back. But right next to her is just a red alarm clock. And it's just more, (laughs) it's just more, why is he old timey? It's, it's a weird, I think the trope is, you know, Kirk and Generations winds up being analog and all like Star Trek 2. He's used to all those old weapons and antiques and all that. And it's just like an old dude thing. Like, oh, I see myself as the hero captain, and this is all the stuff I like. Yeah. And it's just, ugh, I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's like, oh, to make him more likable to, like, of course, like the boomer audience, I would think. It's just bizarre. Like, oh, he's an old guy, and he likes to watch uh, old science fiction movies. He probably listens to the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, and, oh, he's so important that him screwing off uh, is fine, and they have to come find him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the science, the entire science team, which for some reason is only the first contact team is on that giant ship and there's only three people, but they have no contingencies. Yeah. So they were all able to be captured. Yeah. Like, it seems odd that all three of them would have gone down. Yeah, but I, when it comes to the away parties, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, I mean, it's just they'll send down the ship being massive you know. is what the problem is. Seems like your solution could have been that the plasma torpedoes destroyed their ship. So the only so the three people that were on the planet were stranded there and captured. Uh, yeah, seems like that's how you would have resolved the issue. But you for some reason, they didn't do that. I'm not sure. I, I don't want to think about what maybe doing. they need the ship later. It, it doesn't come in later in the season. It doesn't play any impact on this oh, episode. OK, yeah. <laughs> OK. I mean, it's like, where's the ship? I I mean, no sign of the ship. And then they get hit with the plasma torpedoes. Seems like that would have been, uh, oh, now we know what happened to the ship. On that note, another worst Trek trope, ignoring how long things take to move through space. (laughs) If something is launched from the ground of a planet, it does not appear Uh in space in seconds. No. And yet... Yeah, it takes a, takes a few But minutes. if you do that, then they would not have any drama. So I understand, but it's also annoying because you're also dealing with um, you're also dealing with both an advanced ship and an, and a not that advanced ship. So even if they do have these torpedo heads, seems like they wouldn't be able to get them up there that quickly. But anyway, and on that same note, the Enterprise appearing over the city within seconds. 
Like to to descend mm. from orbit over the city is not like five yeah. seconds. I think we yeah we've kind of established that it doesn't it's not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> so the the that's just where it's science fantasy, right? So, but those are still. Oh, also like oh, we definitely can breathe on this planet. It's fine. <laughs> you don't like that? It's, it's that always, always class M. <laughs> it's always. It would have been interesting if it wasn't class M because then they would have uh, part of their modifications would have had to have been something for the air. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Then that would, then the caper wouldn't have worked or you could, it just would have taken on a little bit anyway. All right. Now let's get into the, of its time quality, which I think we can find many examples of it yes. being of 2022. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one during that little montage, they have like audit the vote signs being carried by people like, you know, not, explicitly MAGA idiots, but that's kind of the idea. Like it touches on current events here. So that's certainly of its time. Uh, we see a bear back. That's kind of a <laughs> thing we don't see in every Star Trek. There's about to have, there's two people about to have sex, not always in on a Star Trek show, like, you know, so explicitly. Um, what would you say? I have some of the dialogue when we meet the aliens, the first lines are the head of that control room says, talk to me, like what's going on for like a status report. And then the person, one of the other uh, people in, in mission control, basically, that's looking up at the, the scout ship on the screen says, oh, man. And then <laughs> so you've got a lot of like uh, modern vernacular in there or, you know, talk to me and oh, man. Oh, yeah. And then, like, someone says, like, this is weird yeah. or something like that. And Spock's like, weird. Yes. Pike's girlfriend, Captain Patel, says, really? When he's watching the movie? <laughs> Seriously? Really? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like... She's correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought that the part where you said that she didn't get angry, but to Pring, when uh, Spock or when Pike says, are you naked? And then she says, no, Chris, he's not. He was about to be. But. <laughs> I thought the sort of informality of it all, the blurred lines between professional and personal, I think part of that is less of its time and more that they are trying very hard to make Star Trek hip and cool. And so the only thing they can mm -hmm. think to do that is like, let's get, since none of us who are writing the show served in any service or recognize the militaristic or, you know what I mean? Like, or the chain of command, let's just be as informal as we, as we want to be to make it interesting. But I think her yeah. calling her, fiance's boss who is a captain and she would call him captain in every other scenario calls him Chris, not even Christopher, <laughs> like, which is this Christopher Pike. No, he, yeah. how he introduces yeah. himself, but she knows him. So important. I mean, he is really intruding on a special moment for them. And so I don't think the, the formality I think can go out of the, out oh, the I would think that would be even more of a time for formality. <laughs> Are you naked? No, Captain Pike. No, Captain. Don't worry. He's not. He's not. He was about to be. <laughs> I think the AR wall, the uh, augmented reality, you know, the, or the VR wall, the volume. The, I think that's of an, of its time moment uh, because it's not integrated well in in Stranger Worlds. So the times that I picked it out was the Vulcan scene where they're having dinner, and um, yeah. Uh, although. Then the shot where they're in their hotel room or whatever, and he's looking down at the falls. That was a pretty cool shot, to be honest. I don't think that was yeah. the, I don't think that was the the wall though. And then the other time was when they're at the Starbase One, and they're they're seeing the habitation pods outside. At, that's at the end. 
I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't look good in Star Trek. They haven't used it well yet. So it's not a sure thing yeah. when you use it. And then my last of its time was basically the banter. That like there's an emphasis on mm-hmm. on banter and patter in the dialogue, and I think it undercuts all the tension and the conflict, and it dilutes the characters by locking them into their speaking banter instead of their speaking as their characters. Um, and I think that's just of its time. <laughs> for better or yeah. for worse. And we also have like an addiction storyline or it's alluded like the security officer saying is saying like it's alluded that she doesn't want any sedation. And then it's kind of revealed later that she might've had a problem with that. Ah, I, and also her entire storyline is trauma. So it's trauma drama and her deep pain that's motivating everything that she does. uh, That's definitely of its time that everyone has not just some of us have secret pains. Others have pain that we can't keep secret, but it basically all of us are motivated by some sort of wound. That's very much TV of 2022 for better or worse. (laughs) Uh, All right. (laughs) The line must be drawn here. (laughs) Great lines. Um, so I actually just, I put down, you know, when, at the beginning, when Captain Pike says like, they're going on the mission and he says, nobody dies. And then I'm like, well, does he know that for sure? <laughs> um, and he must like, does it, does he, has he seen into the future enough that he, like, if he doesn't die, then the rest of the crew does I took that as this is, he's basically like the coach and he's, he's, I don't think he knows any of that. I think he's just saying nobody dies. I have this line too. Like, this mission will not be anyone's last day. Yeah. I think he's just drafting on the idea of like, I know when my last day is and I don't want anyone else to have to, you know, I want to keep everyone mm-hmm. alive. That's what I, how I took it. when I heard it. I also put, take me to your leader because I had to, I think that should have been I a enjoy good, it. I enjoy I it. think that should have been a great Trek trope because Star Trek two is famously ripping off lines from Dickens and, you know, Shakespeare. <laughs> so <laughs> using other, other famous lines for their own thing. I like take me to your leader too. I thought that was a good act out. Uh, Is it ripping off? If it's something from the public domain, <laughs> like Shakespeare or Dickens, I don't, well, I mean, if you're building your drama off of it or your characterization, maybe, uh, I don't know if it's ripping off. I, an homage. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I had, Captain April's or Admiral April saying, you can quit when you get home, but right now I need you to get back on that horse. I like. Yeah. A horse. Reference. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, most, and I had the, I already said this, the pike line, most humans, we like to think that right until the very last instant, somehow, some way we'll cheat death. At least I did. Yeah. And then um, there's also, a line, I don't, I didn't write it down, so I don't have it exactly, but like people who can't, it's the belief that you can't die that gets you killed. Uh, not believing you're going to die is what gets you killed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I keep writing her name down in all my notes as Khan because she's <laughs> she is. Uh, we are not. It's unclear how related she is to Khan. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. Laon Nuni and Singh. That's that's uh, so she is yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, that was a great line. And but then that was funny that then was like, where what did you say? And then she goes into the whole story of that line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was very of its time. Uh, yeah. Well, Pike also has uh, he says to Lon earlier in the sick bay scene where she refuses the pain reliever. He says there's surviving and then there's living. I like that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also really like the 
I also love the part where Pike goes, Spock, your ears. And Spock goes, I'm aware the pain is quite remarkable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was great. And then this little bit, I like it, even though it's basically using Star Trek as a punchline. I, I don't know. It felt like it was earned or it was something that as an obsessed Star Trek person, it didn't offend me. I kind of liked it. April says, this is at the end. I use the loophole since the council can't acknowledge that the battle never actually took place. It cannot acknowledge. Spock says, it cannot acknowledge how the people of Kylie 279 acquired warp. And then April says, council's not happy about it. They're doubling down on it. Renaming, this is general order one of non-interference. He says, they're renaming it the prime directive. And Pike says, <laughs> well, that'll never stick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might as well, like, he was like, all right. Mm-hmm. He might as well doing like a jerk off motion. He was like, so dismissive of this idea and i i think i really liked it because um even though they're using uh discovery history to sort of play into it which again if you haven't watched it it's a little it's a little tricky but i like the idea of a bureaucracy doubling down on a policy and then coming up with like a different name for the same idea and uh, yeah it's the same (laughs) thing we're just calling it the war of northern oppression or whatever so i thought that worked uh any other great lines no, I think that's right. it. So then this leads us into our performance grades. The Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. I think I'm just going to have to give it to Anson Mount. I have Anson Mount um, and Anson Mount's hair. Oh, yeah. And like. And the facial hair, too, in the beginning. Like He looks like a crazy mountain man. And I liked his beard. I didn't, like normal... I didn't like the straggly hair in that part. I liked his pike as captain hair, but not as. But he has so much yeah. of it. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe it's mostly a wig. We don't know for sure. <laughs> uh, but it, but it looked good. Yeah, and he was he was fantastic the the whole way through. He he makes he's definitely worth watching. It's to the point where it's sort of um, you know it's the Poochie line. Whenever Poochie's not on screen, people should be saying, "Where's Poochie? <laughs> Where's Poochie?" <laughs> All right, that, that leads us into the Shatner. Who really went for it? I'm going to, I'm going to get, can I give it to a scene? Cause I'm going to give it to the hallway fight. Oh, you're giving. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody in that whole scene deserves it. Uh, first Spock screaming bloody murder. And then just this fight. And then they're like, uh, we don't have time to hide the bodies. We're just going to leave them. <laughs> and they get in the, the elevator dings and they get in. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I have Christina Chong as Lon Nunian Singh her entire performance where she decides I'm going to be on the verge of tears for every line I deliver was, yeah. <laughs> was really going for it. Cause she needs to convey that my character is a deeply traumatized person and has been through a lot. Yeah. I have to, I have to have tears in my eyes. And again, this is not saying this person's a bad actor or anything. It's just, you have to make a choice. No. Yeah. And, and, and the whole role, the episode you know, we needed to know who all these characters were. And I think unless you're Spock and Uhura, which you get to just act on, like, everyone knows who they are. Yeah. <laughs> everyone else. We don't know who this yeah. is. And it, everyone yeah. else has to sort of pick an, an attitude or an emotion or an angle and work it as hard as they can, at least in the pilot. So we understand who they are. But I really think and she's the, going for it. Anytime you're almost crying in every line. That's what's like. Yeah. And you don't have the... um benefit usually in a pilot if it actually airs you don't really have the um, benefit of like notes really or 
having seen it before. <laughs> like, you know, it you don't have like your network notes usually because they're just going to air it. Yeah, I was almost going to give the Shatner as well to the president of uh, Kylie 279 or the one that they're talking oh, yeah. to. But then I realized mm-hmm. that was all sort of dialogue. I mean, I actually liked all of her responses because it's basically someone saying like, oh, you're going to Star Trek at me. Don't Star Trek at me. Your Star <laughs> Trekking at me has no effect on me. But I thought yeah. that was exactly how she was supposed to do. So she was fine. But I, I did. That was another thing that stood out to me. Okay. What are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? What's the lesson that's being brought to the cadets after this one? I put just leave and with an exclamation point. Um, I don't know if they're actually teaching that. That is just what I would probably teach. Um, I don't accidentally give a warring planet warp tech. Well, they didn't know that it was within a uh, range of their telescopes when they were having this battle. Well, I mean, they probably should have thought about so it. So that was my thing. You should probably do some collateral damage cleanup after Mm -hmm. significant of space events if you've been cataloging all these planets you probably know which ones have technology that's sophisticated enough to observe stellar phenomena (laughs) it's also wild to me that i guess i never thought about before there's like civilizations that have technology enough to see the spaceship but not enough to travel to it and that must be fucking terrifying Right. And I think that is one of the coolest ideas from a Star Trek episode that there's been. And definitely this century, it's one of the most it's clever. Like I never thought of uh, I would have never thought of an episode that based this idea, based an idea around that. And it's like and they don't try to make any contact, like, don't worry, we're not going to blow you up or something, you know, like, no, they they try to make no contact. At all, like not even like sending radio signals. Like, like yeah, we, do. we sorry, we didn't mean for you to see that. It says nothing to do with you. Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. That would be terrifying if we on Earth uh, observed this massive space battle <laughs> with all these weird. I things. would have like, I don't think I'd be able to recover from that. Like as a human being, I think I'd like that's all I'd be thinking about. Like when are they coming for us? Yeah, like that's terrifying. Yeah, so some collateral damage cleanup probably in order there uh when yeah like sorry everyone <laughs> yeah. when going undercover make sure you have the biometrics in place beforehand if you have the clothes yeah. which are in the pattern buffer and uh you can <laughs> you take the time to do the genetic mods before you even leave and then you didn't think oh yeah. retinal 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 sorry retinal scan yeah yeah exactly Ooh, we, didn't, we didn't think about that now, one i liked it. which have been around for yes you know, this yes, point. Exactly. Ages. Ages. <laughs> Your phone has it, basically. Yeah, so I, you know, I understand you need something for drama purposes, but you, the idea that you dumb down everything to make the dramatic moment, and then I, I really wasn't, I wasn't a fan of them beaming the sample into his eyeball at the last second. I, I don't know what that was all about. Yeah, that was that weird. Was, yeah, it was weird. So you had to. I think it's probably because they have some algorithm that tells them every five minutes something exciting, something has to run or tense up. You know, I'm sure streaming platforms have this idea. So they had to put something in that moment. That's what they came up with, which. All right, fine. But yeah, I would think you would you would have the biometrics in place beforehand. And Mm -hmm. I would say figuring out a way for those biometrics to be mooted or like something else. I love your idea of Uhura was the only one who did the reading. So what if like they had they just didn't know the information to get in somewhere because they they didn't do the reading that would have been fun. All right, that leads us into our last thought exercise before we decide if this is a trek, marry, or kill. 
how would the predecessor show Captain handle this? So this is technically Star Trek Discovery. And yeah, well, first of all, there is nothing before this. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, no, Discovery comes before this. And I have only been able to watch one episode of that show because it was on CBS All Access and I did not feel compelled to sign up after the first episode aired on CBS. But this is why we're doing Strange New Worlds first. Going off of what I said at the beginning with Henry Alonzo Myers' quote, this is technically a pilot pickup of the cage, mm-hmm. which means this is technically the first episode. <laughs> so yeah. there is no predecessor. <laughs> okay. So we don't have to answer this question. Yeah, well, I have no answer for it, so I don't know. <laughs> what is interesting to me in this case, though, that I would bring up is... Well, they- they're the ones well if you're gonna answer it though discovery they are the ones who started the conflict then that's right that's right so that's how they handled it thanks yeah i think they would be a lot more hands-on with i think someone would have the plan the plan would have been to get just get the warp bomb and and get rid of it and destroy all the records of all the research i think that's what what the plan would have been in in the discovery context uh, but also, I one thing that I did want to point out in this section was the speech with Pike and kind of a lot of the a lot of the stuff reminded me a lot more of the next generation. And I think we're going to find out as we go through season one of, of Strange New Worlds that this is a lot more influenced by the next generation than it is the original series. Which, hmm. hey, you know, I understand. I don't mind. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> But it's also it's also what uh, we're also going to be doing next. We're going to be doing the original series, and it's kind of a tonal whiplash in a lot of ways. So, uh, oh my god, yes, <laughs> I've already watched that episode, and yes. All right, so that leads us into Strange New Worlds, the episode Strange New Worlds: Trek, Marry or Kill, Kristen. Um. Okay, so I'm having a tough time because. I have one straight thought about this episode and that is at the end, there's a montage of like everyone getting along and there's one scene of like these two aliens who have made paper, paper hearts out of, they've cut them out of construction paper like children do and have showed them to each other. And I feel that is so corny and so horrible that it is stuck with me since I watched the episode like two days ago. Okay, I what I liked that bit when I first watched the episode a couple times, but I didn't notice until this last viewing that those were two adults. <laughs> they were two adults, and they were like nuns. Really weird, <laughs> like very weird. Like so, we gave them they have construction paper down there too, I guess. But like at a little safety, they use little safety scissors. And made two little hearts and showed them to each other. And that was, you know, so that's how we all know everything is great. You would think that. And I don't like Yeah, that. they really wanted to spend more time with the kids in the classroom and drawing on the chalkboard when it seems like that would have been the perfect time for them to do the. Yeah, in the, the class, children. the children in the classroom. Not two adults standing. What, what What was it like? 18 inches apart. So you want to kill the episode for that? No, I'm saying I'm having I'm like, it's. <laughs> it crossed my mind because I was so corny, but not even like in the corny Star Trek way that I like, like so hokey. Right. But okay. So I think I'm just going to say Trek. Um, But that ending wasn't helping. I'm definitely trekking this one. Uh, I think that whole ending was definitely, we're going to do this and hopefully all the stuff before it earned it. And 
if it doesn't oh well <laughs> like it almost seems like it's like they filmed it for something else and they just slotted in but that doesn't make any sense right. like they couldn't have no. done that this had to have been like in the script it's weird are those are, are those like arts and crafts nuns yeah i don't know what's happening some convents they sell like baked goods on the side or anything to earn and extra money do really bad like construction yeah. paper cut out hearts made with safety scissors yeah maybe i don't know they might as well just done like the you know like the little paper uh chain uh link things that you put on christmas trees when you're a little kid <laughs> like oh i no, i hated that i hate I, it was, ugh. all no. right so we're both trekking this one Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. But it was close. It was close. <laughs> it was close. <laughs> You're on thin ice, strange new worlds. All right. That's, that's, uh, be forewarned that if you put a treacly <laughs> montage at the end of your episode, it could blow the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Is every episode going to end with a montage? I guess maybe you shouldn't tell yeah. me, but I actually, Ooh. I actually don't remember. So, oh my God. Like, I'm, ugh. Yeah. Like, I'm literally, like, shuddering. It's so corny. I think when you're at the end of the day, when you're doing, trying to be a hopeful, you're trying to inspire people, then you're going to immediately fall into that trap. You know what I mean? Don't try to inspire. <laughs> just just do the beat and hope it worked and then move on. <laughs> like, if it were, if they were children, I would let it slide. I would still thought it was. Well, that's corny. so then that's what I thought it was. But yes, or I had it mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. No, but you're right. It, there are two adults. It, it, two grown <laughs> people but uh, again apparently they were like living in a basement or something <laughs> yeah heart <laughs> it's red well, one straight thought i didn't mention but i should have uh the kylie 279 aliens they look like the vampires from buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> but with green baseball stitching yeah <laughs> it was yeah it was a bizarre look what so now it, i'm yeah. bring, i'm thinking of that now because i'm like imagine vampires from buffy the vampire slayer making paper cutouts at the enterprise <laughs> that's basically what we got oh, God. yeah oh yeah i mean yeah so the whole point the whole like oh we're making the paper cutouts of the enterprise but that is uh, like stuff like that where they've made the enterprise look like iconography for that civilization now like that We've already seen that. Right. At least we've seen it like in like some of the newer movies. Star Trek Into Darkness, but, literally, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. So like fine. I, I can get that. I can get behind that. It's it's the paper hearts. <laughs> All right. No paper hearts, but still trek <laughs> trek this one out. So yeah. Yeah. Changing mm-hmm. worlds. And uh maybe just <laughs> skip past that last part. <laughs> It might, I don't know. Maybe I'm probably too angry over it, but yeah. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, like, <laughs> like us uh, and give us five stars wherever you listen to it. You can also at us on Twitter at Trek Mary K pod. And until next time, we will come up with the sign. Or we will. Thanks for listening.